The Memphis Grizzlies lost an historic contest against the New Orleans Pelicans. Historic because it took three 30-point or more scores, making five or more threes to knock off the Memphis Grizzlies, who are without John Morant, Luke Kennard, Xavier Tillman, and others. Three-point defense was the Achilles heel. Once again, we'll talk about why that is and go into more depth about the current state of the Grizzlies next here on Locked On Grizzlies. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and welcome to another installment of Locked On Grizzlies, a Thursday edition of the program. The dynamic duo is back for such a special occasion, and I'll talk more about that here momentarily. But first, I want to remind you that we here at Locked On Grizzlies are proud members of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check us out over on YouTube, like, comment, rate, review, subscribe, all those fun things. Continue to make to Michael Cole, my wonderful co-host, and I, a key cog of your NBA playoff preparation machine and all the other great shows that are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So, again, we're on YouTube. Check us out over wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. I am a Grizzlies columnist or the Grizzlies columnist, I guess, technically, for Bluff City Media. And, of course, my co-host, Michael Cole, is the Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial Appeal doing tremendous work there per usual partner. How are you doing on this fine Thursday? Doing great, Joe. Uh, I'm, I'm doing great. It's a, it's a wonderful time. I tell you to be an NBA fan. Uh, mm. I was, I tweeted it last night, but the Western conference race right now, I mean, there were three or four games, I think maybe even more than that, that just had huge implications on, you know, just the swing of things. I mean, the, the L.A. game, right? And then there was the, the Kings versus the Mavs. That was the Mavs basically were fighting for their lives, for the play-in lives. Then there's the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. The Pelicans trying to clinch a top-nine spot. And, and you could tell by the way the Pelicans played. I mean, they almost played like a desperate team in that game. Yeah, it was really a, a fun night of NBA basketball. If you were a Grizzlies fan, it was less fun on Wednesday night because there were a lot of roller coaster ebbs and flows from being up big to being down six with 11 seconds left to miraculously sending the game to overtime. And then the Pelicans kind of running you off the, off the, off the uh, gym floor there in overtime. Memphis was clearly exhausted, and we'll talk about why here in a moment. So we're, we're going to break down a lot of key cogs and pieces of this Grizzlies defeat in New Orleans against the Pelicans. Context is important before we go to in depth here to Michael, I want to make sure our audience knows in case you missed the game, no John Morant, no Luke Kennard, no Xavier Tillman. So you're down three key rotation players, two starters, and Luke Kennard, who has been a flamethrower from beyond the arc of late. And that's not even counting the guys that have been out for a long stretch of time, right? Steven Adams, Brandon Clark. So the Memphis Grizzlies were considerably undermanned, and I know you're going to talk a little more about Santi Aldama later on. He gets injured relatively early in the game, only plays seven minutes. The Grizzlies, in a lot of ways, only played seven or eight dudes. You saw a lot of 40-plus-minute performances on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. 
I'm sure Taylor Jenkins and the, the minutes crew, the medical staff was not happy about that. Uh, just some, some overall takeaways of yours from that context, even with all of that in mind, and the Grizzlies were five and a half point underdogs going into the game. That's important to point out. It was new Orleans that was underperforming. Uh, and, and at least according to the smart, uh, the sharks in Vegas, uh, finally turned it on later on in the second half. Uh, even with that context, the, the three-point shooting from opponents, once again, to Michael Rears, it's ugly head. We've talked about it here on Lockdown Grizzlies a ton. Memphis just really struggles defending the three-point line. It seems like every night there's a historic performance of some sort against these Grizzlies. Yeah, and this is the second time we've seen it from the Pelicans, right? right. It was earlier this season. It was in December when the Pelicans just – they couldn't miss in that game either in New Orleans. And it's not even their game, right? It's, I think they're 28th in the NBA game. in three-point shooting attempts. They are not a three-point shooting team, Joe, and it, it, it happens. You know, they say, fool me once, you know, shame on you. But uh, it happened twice. It happened twice. So I think it's Pelicans, time to shame on me. Yeah, shame shame on the Grizzlies, right? So uh, it's – it's the guys that that you were beat by. You know, Trey Murphy, you know what he's going to do, right? C.J. McCollum, you know what he's done in his career against the Grizzlies. So it, it, this game kind of happened the same way for C.J., right, as the last game in New Orleans. He had a mediocre first half, third quarter. He kind of erupts and has a big quarter. I think he scored 21 of his 31 uh, in the second half in this past game uh, on Wednesday. So with all that being said, you, you got the, the normal guys making the three-pointers. And then there was Herb Jones, who I think was the key to the game. I've talked a lot about how it's interesting how the Grizzlies guard Herb Jones. And I'm not I'm not so sure if, if Joe, I really want to hear what, hear what you got to say on this. Because sure. what we've seen is in each of the previous matchups against the Pelicans, the Grizzlies came out and they sagged off of Herb Jones uh, with Jaron Jackson Jr., right? And in one mm-hmm. of those matchups, you're guarding Zion Williamson, I think twice against Zion Williamson, and it worked, right? It worked both times. Zion Williamson had uh, two of his worst games of the season against the Grizzlies, where you basically used Dylan Brooks as his primary defender, and Jaron Jackson Jr. sagged off Herb Jones and was a helper. And then another, another game, you did the same thing. So basically, you have all these examples of the Grizzlies sagging off of Herb Jones, and it worked, but... Yeah. So much time has went on since that last game against the Pelicans. Uh, I wondered coming into this game, it was one of those little under-the-radar things uh, that I wondered about, Joe, is will the Grizzlies come out and basically guard him the same way after he's had so much time? And you just saw Willie Green, they were so much more prepared because, he, yes, he knocked down the three-pointers. I think he made five three-pointers in this game. Mm-hmm. So he, he made the Grizzlies pay beyond the three-point line for sure. But it was the other ways that stood out to me that he was scoring. He attacked uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. off the dribble at one point, you know, getting to the rim. He got some nice baskets cut into the basket because, excuse me, Jaron Jackson Jr. was sagging off of him. And he basically had a free, free space to cut to the basket. And then there was what the Pelicans did, which I thought we would see more of. This is what we see teams do. You know, when you have Russell Westbrook and Draymond Green and teams try to sag off of those guys, Ben Simmons, the same thing. When I was in Philly, we saw it a lot. Teams would sag off of Ben Simmons. Well, the counter, the perfect counter to that is putting that player, that offensive player on the ball and and putting that player in actions. And that's what 
the Pelicans did for a large part of this game. Herb Jones was on the ball. He was setting screens for other guys, which would force Jaron Jackson Jr. to step up and things like that. So I just don't think the Grizzlies, they had their A plan. Their A plan was kind of the guard. Herb Jones the same exact way. But I feel like you should have expected that the Pelicans would come in for a plan against that and be willing to adjust. And I don't think we ever saw the Grizzlies adjust, and it kind of hurt them in the end. I would give Taylor Jenkins, the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, I would give him the benefit of the doubt if we hadn't seen this happen time and again throughout the regular season, right? Because we're late in the campaign here. The Grizzlies are clearly prioritizing rest and health over seeding. The Grizzlies might, you know, just fall into the number two seed essentially at this point, given the fact that Sacramento keeps losing, but they're not actively pursuing that number two seed. Like maybe you could argue they did last season, right? Where it was a goal of theirs pretty clearly through their actions, the way that they played those final games. That's not the case this season. So if we hadn't seen these problems, regardless of who was playing, full team, half roster, whatever the case might be, everything in between. They continue to have these problems. And it's not just Herb Jones. You're exactly right that Herb Jones, that's exactly what they were doing. Everything you just said is spot on. But in my uh, Insider Insights piece, a full recap of the game for Bluff City Media, go check it out, bluffcitymedia.co slash join, Mullinax promo code, 10% off, annual subscription. In that piece, I write about how Dylan Brooks did it against Trey Murphy. There was a time where Larry Nance Jr. is driving to the basket on a pick and roll action and Desmond Bain Desmond Bain is already collapsing into the paint because he's doing exactly to Herb Brooks or Herb Jones. I knew I was going to do that. Herb Brooks dating myself with the miracle reference. Um, (laughs) um, Herb Jones was in the corner. Desmond Bain was defending him. Bain sags off to help on Nance, but so does Dylan Brooks. And there's Trey Murphy, the third, who we're going to talk more about here in a moment who is white hot from three. Yeah, that's a KYP guy. Know your personnel. If you're going to leave somebody open, Herb Jones makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like Again, in this particular game, you could argue an adjustment needed to be made. But historically speaking, if you're leaving one guy open, you're leaving open Herb Jones, you're not leaving open Trey Murphy the third. But Dylan Brooks yeah. was overhelping. And we've seen overhelping, missed rotations, Whatever is going on, it has been a consistent problem, and it's something to keep an eye on going into the playoffs. So the three-point shooting obviously dooms Memphis in this particular contest. And one of the guys that was the major force behind it, Trey Murphy III, he and Zaire Williams are going to have a connected career path in the NBA, whether they like it or not. And you saw it on Grizzlies Twitter throughout the contest. Trey Murphy III having a major outing for the New Orleans Pelicans. Zaire Williams sitting on the bench dealing with injury issues in a season that has essentially become a lost one for him. A lot of thirsting basketball-wise over TM3. We're going to talk about whether or not that's justified next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by Abada. We're always throwing money at something, right? At least I am. Kids' school supplies, a new house project. The list goes on and on. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. That's where you enter in Abada. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Abada gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop. Get cash back. It is that easy. 
you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and realtors when you start with Abata, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Abata is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Abata using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Abata app, and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. We're going to talk about how the Grizzlies maybe should have locked in on Trey Murphy III, but didn't, or if we're still okay with our boy, in fairness, our boy, Zaire Williams. Talking about that next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mullinax, joined by my wonderful co-host, DeMichael Cole. He is of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee, covering the Memphis Grizzlies on the beat, just like uh, or only like he can. And I am a Grizzlies columnist over at Bluff City Media. DeMichael, we talked about the three-point shooting earlier in the show. That was the way that New Orleans cooked the Grizzlies. And one of the lead chefs in the kitchen that was, uh, I think it's Smoothie King Center there in New Orleans, uh, was Trey Murphy III. Now, I know you know this because you cover the team for a living. And I know this because I'm mentally ill and I've followed the team very closely for a decade or so now. Trey Murphy III could have very easily been a Memphis Grizzly. Right, even if the Grizzlies complete the trade that they do involving Stephen Adams and Jonas Valanciunas, they move up to ten overall. Trey Murphy the third was on the board. The Grizzlies decide to go Zaire Williams instead of Trey Murphy the third, who the Pelicans take at number seventeen, which was the Grizzlies' original selection. Almost two years in now, it's safe to say that Trey Murphy the third is a better basketball player right now, at least NBA basketball player, than Zaire Williams is. But there's a lot of context behind that. Injury concerns, Zaire is still very young, much less experienced than Trey Murphy had, both in college and in the pros to this point. There's lots of reasons for this, but Grizzlies Twitter, I don't know if you saw it, Michael, but they were, goodness gracious. It, it, it was like they oh, were they were clawing yeah. and climbing across the desert, searching for water. And the only person that could quench their thirst was TM3. So Trey Murphy III is an excellent basketball player, a, a University of Virginia product, if I remember correctly, my personal favorite uh, college basketball program. So I am okay with liking Trey Murphy III. I liked him in the draft process, but I'm also not okay with writing off Zaire Williams at this stage of his development. How do you feel about how all that has played out to this point? Because you, it, it's hard to not watch Trey Murphy III and think, goodness gracious, if he was on this Grizzlies team, in addition to the other pieces, which again, that's not a stretch. They could still have Steven Adams. Literally everybody that's on the roster could still be here. And it'd be Trey Murphy III instead of Zaire Williams. What a different Grizzlies world it would be. Is it fair to long for that? Or are we missing out on potential development for Zaire Williams? And we're, we're trying to compare apples and oranges in terms of that development. Yeah, before I get to that, Joe, uh, I just want to say what a what a weird college program to to, to mm. consider your 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 favorite UVA. I mean, most guys from that area, you got Vatek, but I'm just gonna assume you were a Don. Virginia State Tech's fan. not good at basketball. Come hey. on, now it, women's team excluded. Let me make sure I correct that's, myself. That's why women's I'm team. Say, is I'm just awesome gonna assume recently. that you were a Don yes. Staley fan growing up. <laughs> and 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 that's where you found your love for UVA. That's what I'm going to say. I I actually 
went to UVA a lot in college, and I'll leave the details of that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I was I was at the University of Virginia often. I, I went to a couple of parties with with Sean Singletary and uh, <laughs> those those old Cavaliers players a long time ago. Oh, okay. I um, see. I see. But, uh, I see the connection. Yeah, a long but, time ago. But anyway, yeah. point being, uh, I still have that UVA fandom, even though my wife is a Hokie. To your point. Um, oh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a UVA basketball fan. Yeah, and, and speaking of connections, and, and we're talking about the college guys, right? So with Zaire mm. and Trey, when they were coming out of college, two different, you know, uh, kind of projections at this point. You know, Trey played more time in college as uh, Zaire was a, you know, five-star freshman, went to Stanford, and kind of had, you know, a rocky freshman season, pandemic, you know, impacted year, and, and all of that good stuff. But the thing is, Zach Kleiman said it himself, and you know, he used that P word, you know, and it's it's the project word, which a lot of people kind of, when he said that about Zaire Williams, it kind of bought time in terms of you know what Grizzlies fans and and teammates and whatnot will expect of him. And you saw Zaire Williams rookie year the way it started, and then we saw how it ended. Right, he was trending all the way upward, and then it's like. If you look at the two seasons between these two guys, Trey Murphy and Zaire Williams, rookie year Zaire Williams was better than rookie year, rookie year Trey Murphy. I mean, rookie year Trey Rookie Murphy. year Zaire Williams was defending Steph Curry in yeah. the Western Conference semifinals. Yes, he was. And and he he was starting games in, in January mm-hmm. defending Steph Curry and, and scoring. And, I mean, we talked about his, his impact overall. But Zaire Williams was a positive impact to the point where the Grizzlies sent him the summer league and basically built – the development program around him. He was the main guy uh, that that program was built around in the summer. And then, you know, the injuries happened. So I always say I'm not a fan of guys losing their spots due to injury. You always got to give them a chance to bounce back. And this is kind of similar in that uh, situation. Zaire Williams, I think, from what we saw as a rookie, there was a lot of, you know, he was trending upward. Now his second year, has not been good. Even when he's been on the floor, you think, you know, the game where Jordan Poole gets the backdoor cut and, and Zaire Williams was the quote-unquote assigned defender, even though it wasn't his fault, as we have discussed on here. But, you know, it's moments like that because Zaire had a bad game. You know, that game, arguably his worst game in a Grizzlies uniform mm-hmm. uh, in that game against Golden State. So he's had a lot of down moments, but he's made a couple big shots as well. And I just think it's simple. We we talk about it, Joe. His strengths are in the mid-range. His strengths are, are getting to the basket, running the floor. Uh, Zaire Williams is not a guy you want to play like a Trey Murphy, but the Grizzlies are using him like a Trey Murphy. So it's too And one side of it, it's, hey, if you wanted to draft Zaire Williams to be a spot-up three-point shooter and, and play defense, uh, Trey Murphy is the guy you should have got, 100%. But if you drafted Zaire Williams because you think, oh, this guy has great potential, he's that type of 6'8", 6'9", guy who can get to his spots on the floor in the mid-range, who can run the floor, who can use his long, lengthy arms to to guard, you know, uh, quick, agile guards like Duncan Robinson, like Steph Curry, like the Klay Thompsons of the world, then Zaire is your guy. But we don't see the Grizzlies using him that way a lot, Uh, tailored to his skill set that I think. I mean, I, I don't think he's ever, if you go back, to his high school uh, days as well, you know, his prep days, he wasn't a great three-point shooter there. You go to his college days at Stanford, he wasn't a great three-point shooter there. He has never been a great three-point shooter. He is capable of knocking it down, but to to basically put him in the corner, put him at the top of the key and put him in these spots, and 
make half of his shots, three-point shots. That is not the key to success for Zaire Williams. If you want to trade Murphy, oh, yeah, that'll work perfectly, right? But here's the thing. I've I've said it a lot when it comes to this Zaire Williams conversation. Uh, there's a lot of time left uh, for the book to be written on him. And at the end of the day, this is why we talk about it's all about the opportunity that you get, right? Uh, his opportunity needs to be, you know, we talked about it. You know, he 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 said it himself. He told me he was blessed to have the mid-range shot. Yet we barely see him take it because the Grizzlies want guys taking three-pointers and layups. So he is not, you know, kind of getting the shots that his that his skill set is best tailored towards. Whereas Trey Murphy, uh, the shots that Zaire Williams is taking, he would thrive in that role. So in that way, you kind of feel like you missed on Trey Murphy, but. I feel like if you let Zaire play his game, there's a lot of untapped potential there, Joe. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine a, a Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, Trey Murphy backcourt perimeter grouping? Oh. Like all the spacing, all the shooting as a, as a son of the grit and grind era in terms of when I yep. became a Grizzlies fan. I'm salivating thinking about hitting all these threes. And I can uh, see your head going crazy, too, from oh giving up 100. Gosh, I Oh, 180 points. Yeah. points too. So <laughs> that's a, that's a fair point. Um, but Trey Murphy, uh, to you said it yourself, he's a decent defender, right? He's kind of that three and D prototypical type of guy. I think that what this is going to eventually be, and again, it's very possible that Trey Murphy winds up just being a better basketball player than Zaire Williams. Like that happens all the time, where teams take a guy and then another guy behind him was better. You know, Giannis was what the 15th pick, I believe, or something like that in his draft class. Kawhi was in a similar situation. Kawhi Leonard, uh, Donovan Mitchell was late in the lottery. It's not like these guys that are having all NBA seasons or have been MVP caliber players. You know, there were guys taken in front of them that are no longer in the league, right? So this happens all the time. But I do think the, the best point you made was they are currently trying to square peg in a round hole. With Zaire, and we've talked about his mid-range game before. Trey Murphy, if it was Zaire, perfect fit, right? But they took Zaire for the upside. I think part of the draft class evaluation was Zaire has a higher ceiling, right? Like how much better is Trey Murphy going to get? That's debatable. I mean, Desmond Bain is over here entering the chat saying people said the same thing about him and look at what he's done. So maybe Trey Murphy will be that uh, for that draft class. I, I, I hesitate to say that Zaire was a bad pick because of that P word that you mentioned earlier, the project label that's still there. The Grizzlies have time with him. I'm going to check in in a couple of years and kind of see where Zaire is at as he's approaching a rookie contract extension. How are we feeling about him? That's what I'm going to pass judgment, but that's just me by all means, continue to thirst on Twitter. If you so choose the Michael and I are going to wrap up this episode talking about Jaron Jackson jr. And other takeaways from Grizzlies Pelicans heading into an interesting weekend for Memphis when it comes to playoff positioning. Don't go anywhere. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by FanDuel. Very big fan of FanDuel myself. FanDuel is a wonderful partner with the NBA. The playoffs are almost here. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel if you haven't done so just yet. Become a new customer and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet does not win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the amount of three-pointers drained. If you bet on the Pelicans, you probably made some money. 
uh, from the money line, point scores, everything in between. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more of FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Final thoughts on Grizzlies-Pelicans and looking ahead to the weekend here on Locked On Grizzlies. Stay with us. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. I am your host, co-host, Joe Mullinax of Bluff City Media, SB Nation, and elsewhere, joined by the wonderful, the handsome, the very suave, DeMichael Cole, beat writer for the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee, covering the Grizzlies daily as only he can. DeMichael, entering a weird weekend, right? Because as we talked about, what Memphis is going to value, how are they going to play out these last couple of games? Do they really care about securing the two seed? Are they just going to let those chips fall where they may? It was interesting to me watching Jaron Jackson Jr., watching John Conchar, the grit that these Grizzlies displayed. It was really impressive. And again, I nobody has hated on John Conchar more than me uh, in the last several months. But I have to give flowers and credit where they're due. Without John Conchar, the Grizzlies aren't in that game. The Grizzlies don't jump out to the lead that they did. Jaron Jackson Jr., who you and I have talked about, Giannis Light, 40-piece on the heads of the New Orleans Pelicans. He looked at Jonas Valanciunas like I used to look at the smoked ribs from Central Barbecue. I'm not even <laughs> sponsored by Central Barbecue. Oh, the best boy. chicken wings I ever ate in my life. I can only imagine how you look at those. (laughs) Gosh, with love in my eyes. And he looked at Jonas Valanciunas the exact same way as people that have paid attention to the Memphis Grizzlies could have predicted, right? So what did you see coming out of the Pelicans game? We talked a lot about negatives, right? Trey Murphy over Zaire Williams, the three-point defense. I like to end on a positive note. Was it Conchar's resurgence? Was it Jaron continuing to be that Giannis light that we talk about? What is a positive that you take out of the game that they lost in overtime after building a big lead, after coming back and probably, is it as simple as that they didn't give up and they fought their tails off and they, you know, against a relatively healthy New Orleans team, again, no Zion Williams, or Zion Williams, excuse me, but they still had a vast majority of their key players. Memphis obviously did not. What aspect of positivity do you take from the Grizzlies-Pelicans game from Wednesday night? Well, first, Joe, uh, I feel like I need to ask you some security questions or something because someone's clearly uh, hacked you over here getting com- compliments to John Conchard. Oh, there, yeah. There's no way this is Joe. Joe Mullinax on the other end. Yeah. yeah I feel like, uh, this it's is artificial intelligence. It's AI. It's, this, it's, is, this is where the are you a robot uh, should pop hmm. up on the locked on Grizzly screen <laughs> and you should fill in uh, the cinder blocks on the street uh, yeah. in, in the picture because uh, mm-hmm. you giving John Conchard compliments isn't something we see on the, on the regular but credit where it's due. Yeah, he, he had a good game. He he was very impactful uh, in ways that we expect John Conchar to be impactful. But I'm going to go with the obvious answer here in Jaron Jackson Jr. It's it's simple uh, because it's an IQ thing here in this game in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him being guarded against Giannis Valanciunas. Took him off the dribble. Uh, particularly in the third quarter when he helped, when he uh, picked up his fourth foul, uh, Jaron was took him off the dribble, and Giannis can't stay in front of Jaron Jackson Jr. And then 
Larry Nance, shorter defender, I think Larry Nance is 6'8, comes into the game and he takes him to the post, gets to that, you know, gets to that turnaround left hook, left-handed hook shot that he likes to do over his right shoulder. And it's money, money. And he's very forceful in the way he continues to attack the basket, attack the rim. And uh, that stood out to me. I mean, this Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. thing is kind of turning into, you know, a dynamic duo in those games where, where John Morant isn't playing. I mean, those two really can shine and play off of each other. We saw it in this game. I think the Grizzlies, the game was getting away from them a little bit, right, Joe? Uh, going into uh, the fourth quarter, and they were up five points. This was after leading by as many as I think 19 it was. So they were up five points. And Jaron Jackson Jr. sits down to start the fourth, and I'm thinking, oh, this is danger territory right here. Mm. And then Desmond Bain happens, right? Desmond Bain, I think he scored seven points early in the fourth quarter in like the first three minutes. And in that stretch, the Grizzlies' lead grew from five to 12 at the point where Desmond Bain checked out, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. checked back in, and then you know all the chaos happened towards the end of that game. So it's really those two playing off of each other, but Jaron – uh, 40 points and and he just continues you know we we talked about it right the consistency uh aspect of what he's doing but joe i think he's kind of built it up right we saw it pretty much for a whole month of march and he's taking it into april now uh, the sample size is big enough to say hey this guy probably can average 20 plus points next season you know at this rate pretty impressive showing what i loved most about what jaron did was in the past he's fallen in love with the three-point line right? He's been a mostly perimeter player. But to your point, for the last month or so, that hasn't been the case. I think he was, you know, 10 of 19 or something like that on two-point shots. He got to the free throw line consistently, nine, or he was like 11 of 12 or something like that from the charity strike. They fouled him a lot. Made two huge free throws to send the game to overtime. Ice water in his veins. I think he had night and rebounds. He still had the five stocks, four of which being blocks. He is the best two-way player on the Memphis Grizzlies. He is one of the best two-way players in the entire NBA right now. He really is impressive, a sight to behold. So I agree with your Jaron take. And you know me, I love narratives. I love the storylines. I love the fact that they competed the way that they did. That had punt it written all over it, right? They didn't have John didn't have Luke Kennard, didn't have Xavier Tillman. They lost Santi Aldama early, who we'll hopefully have an update on in our Friday episode of Locked On Grizzlies. Um, They fought their tails off with guys that they didn't play with consistently. Kennedy Chandler getting 10 minutes, uh, being a legitimate player in a rotation with Kenny Kenny Lofton Jr. Now, people can say they love him as a player. He's the G League Rookie of the Year, all those sorts of things. That doesn't make him a a viable NBA rotation player on the number two seed in the Western Conference. So the fact that he did do some good things, he was a great passer against the Pelicans. I was really impressed with how he created offense for others. You know, we mentioned Conchar earlier being really strong on the glass when the team needed him to be. There, There is a lot of grit and toughness that was shown in this game. And that is something things are going to go wrong, right? In no way, shape, or form is there going to be a perfect game plan. And as Mike Tyson once famously said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? Until you get punched in the mouth, you have a plan. So how you respond to that adversity is really significant. And I thought that this was a good responding to adversity game. Yes, they were up by a lot, but the Pelicans were always going to go on a run because of the depth issues. 
And once that hit, the Grizzlies could have easily just said, ah, whatever, we're moving on. They fought, they clawed, they scratched, and they made it a competitive game. And they deserve credit for that, in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah. Tough loss, I, I but agree. I a agree. valuable one. Uh, I, a chance I, I, to yeah. get some experience. Yeah, yeah, all, all great points to me. Uh, I, I think you are definitely onto something. This team, I mean, they gutted it out. They basically had a seven-man rotation uh, mm-hmm. in the second half. You saw David Roddy get the start in the second half for Santi Aldama, who left, you know, in the first half. And it basically was seven guys at that point, basically carrying the torch. And, and you go into overtime. It's, I mean, Dylan Brooks fouls out. I think Desmond Bain fouled out. Uh, Jaron had five fouls the entire overtime period. I mean, they went in overtime. They were already handicapped, you know, at that point. So the fact that they even got that game to overtime, we didn't, we haven't even talked much about, you know, the being down six with 11 seconds left and just yeah. all these breaks going your way. Dylan Brooks, you know, uh, being fouled on on the – and wow, imagine if he makes that free throw now looking back on it uh, for the four-point play. But Dylan Brooks, uh, you know, knocking down the three and getting fouled there and and Desmond Bain hitting one free throw, missing the second, and Jaron mm-hmm. Jackson Jr. getting the offensive rebound. A, a lot of great breaks uh, went Memphis's way. You know, the offensive foul on Brandon Ingram, I think it was, with Tyus Jones. Uh, mm-hmm. They got a lot of good breaks in that stretch. Uh, you, you want to end it on a good point. So I'm going to say a good point after I say this. I got to find something good to say after I say this. But, John, I feel like we just have to mention uh, we've talked a lot about the fourth quarter struggles all season long, and and it, it reared its ugly head again. I mean, yes, they got it to overtime, but the point, the fact of the matter is the Grizzlies were up 12 points when Desmond Bain went to the bench with nine minutes left in the game. They were up 12 points, and mm-hmm. we have to mention it because this is something new. It's not because Ja's out. It's happened with John the lineup. It's happened without John the lineup. It's happened uh, a couple games ago against the Bulls. It, it happened then. So, uh, you know, we've seen the fourth quarter struggles uh, kind of be a thing, and that's why it was good. Getting back to the good part, it was mm-hmm. good to see Jaron Jackson Jr. late in that fourth quarter say, I'm the guy. Get me the ball. And you you had that back and forth going for a second, right? Brandon Ingram on one end uh, for the Pelicans, and then the Grizzlies went back on the other end. It, it was good to see Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones hold the ball, and you see Jaron battling for position, and they're pointing like, get out the way. Like, telling other guys, this ball is going to Jaron Jackson Jr. They were very determined to get him the ball in those situations. So there's your identity that we talk about that this team needs late in the fourth quarter. We'll see how it, you know, that is affected when John Moran is back and, and whatnot. But I think that's your positive that can kind of turn the tide a little bit as we get in the postseason in the fourth quarter. But, you know, some of the struggles in the fourth quarter still were noticeable in this game against the Pelicans. But Jaron Jackson Jr., the way he played down the stretch and battled, you know, kind of a one-on-one thing with Brandon Ingram, you know, both of them uh, leading their teams uh, to, the, to the overtime part of the game. Uh, it stood out to me. The more versatile your offense, the better. And if John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain can all be key contributors in fourth quarters, it will only help the Grizzlies cause moving forward. Hopefully they keep working towards finding that rhythm. Thank you for making Lockdown Grizzlies your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. The next time we're together will be our Friday edition to Michael. Very excited. Uh, looking at the weekend ahead, talking about the Bucks and Giannis versus Giannis Light, potentially. 
uh, as we've been mentioning throughout the show in recent shows. Obviously, the Thunder on Sunday, how the Grizzlies attack these games, looking ahead to the playoffs, all sorts of interesting directions our Friday show can go. When we come back, yeah, the two-seat should be wrapped up uh, after uh, our, our next episode. So we, we talk about that Bucks matchup. Uh, the Bucks just wrapped up the number one seed, not only in mm-hmm. the Eastern Conference, but they clinched number one uh, throughout the playoffs. So I'm right. wondering now, you know, is, is Giannis going to play and, and things like that? But we'll hopefully we'll have more of those questions answered, you know, ahead of that game. But uh, the Grizzlies, what a win, could wrap it up for the number two seed, and that's a big part of this. And then, you know, you'll see Kenny Lofton Jr. start an NBA game, if that's the case. In Oklahoma see, you'll City see Vince Williams get out yes. there. Mr. Yes. 3 and D. But people don't know about Vince Williams like that, Joe. VCU player. See, another Virginia guy. I know Virginia players. I know what's up. Um, but we'll talk all about that possibility and more on our Friday episode. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Locked On Grizzlies. Make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing, liking, commenting. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are available as a proud member of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can also check us out over on YouTube. Again, subscribe, continue to help us build up the show, and continue to make us part of your Memphis Grizzlies and NBA experience heading into the playoffs. For my wonderful co-host, Michael Cole, I'm Joe. We will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, stay locked in. This is Locked on Grizzlies.